Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. We are a live call in talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com. And also feel free to listen to us on the TuneIn app at WCEV. Now, if you haven't already done so, keep up with us on social media by following and liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. Now, if you have a comment or question you'd like to pose throughout the course of tonight's show, we would love to hear from you at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Happy Monday, Radio Islam family. Happy Monday. Um, good evening. Hope everyone is listening in, in good health and good spirits. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, tonight, uh, Ibrahim, uh, the impressive one, uh, right next to me, uh, we're going to be recapping the past weekend and looking at some of the worthy organizations uh, that are confronting Islamophobia and oppression head on. Uh, now, I have noted in particular that one of the strengths that I find in Chicagoland, uh, the Chicagoland Muslim community, is that it is filled with organizations which are active, involved, and focused not only on combating anti-Muslim bias, uh, but who are also leading the way in raising the quality of life for Chicagoans, Illinoisans, and just humanity in general. So these organizations often work with limited human resources but find a way to achieve phenomenal uh, and sustainable results. So over the weekend, we had the opportunity to, um, to support three of these organizations. Uh, as I mentioned, it, they're not simply just fighting uh, anti-Muslim bias, Islamophobia, uh, and oppression, uh, or addressing issues that are just focused on the Muslim community, but they are working uh, for the betterment of uh, of humanity uh, in general. So the three organizations that we were able uh, to support and that we're going to talk about a bit uh, in, in this hour, uh, some you may not have heard of uh, or you may not, well, I, I would say more importantly, you may not know why you should be supporting them. Uh, and more importantly, you may not even realize how they support you already with their actions. So uh, with that, I'm going to uh, give my brother Ibrahim a moment to go ahead and give you all the salams. Assalamu alaikum. That was pretty deep right there. It <laughs> 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 came on. It was like, it was like Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Radio Islam family. So um, it, was, it was a busy weekend uh, as usual. Um, and the first organization that we want to bring up is the Abolition Institute, uh, of which I am. I serve, I've served on their board for the past um, year or so, been affiliated with their work uh, for the past, I want, I want to say, well, since maybe the past three, two, three years, maybe, maybe more than that. Time seems to escape me. But what's important is the work that this organization uh, does, that they have really become the, taken the lead on 
within the United States. Uh, and that is in combating slavery. And we're talking chattel slavery, slavery where one person is owned, uh, where the, the children um, of, of the mother, because slavery, and we're talking about slavery in particular in Mortania, which is, if you are not aware, which is predominantly a Muslim, a Muslim nation, a Muslim country. And the Abolition Institute has taken, uh, as I said, they've taken the lead in bringing awareness to this. Uh, and they have some, some really notable achievements uh, that, that I'm going to share with you um, um, right now. Uh, so first of all, Chicago, if you ask anyone that is from Mauritania uh, that has, has escaped, that has family who have been, uh, who, who are uh, enslaved, they will tell you that Chicago is more and more becoming becoming looked at, being seen as the epicenter of the abolitionist movement in the United States, especially on behalf of Mortanians. So the organization was co-founded by Sean Tenner and Bakari Tanja, um, who is himself a uh, Mortanian. And um, so to their credit, at this point, they were successful in securing $5 million from the U.S. Uh, government that has gone towards um, education uh, and for the um, uh, to, to help eradicate to help eradicate slavery. So that was in itself a win. Well, first, I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask uh, Ibrahim, were you yourself aware that there was slavery going on in Mauritania? That's an interesting question. I've heard about it, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Most of the stuff that I've heard about Mauritania and the other people heard about Mauritania is that um, the main thing that stands out is that in Mauritania, the language, the Arabic language that people speak is just so pure and so uh, amazing in, 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 the, in the classical Arabic tongue, you know? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, a lot of students, they choose to go there to study uh, study Arabic and study Quranic sciences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we don't really, we didn't really hear, like I've, eventually I heard about it. I even saw an interview with a scholar from Mauritania and they asked him about it. And he was like, he was like, he, I think he said like he's never seen it or something like that, but he knows about it or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask, is it something that's, kind of in the shadows or is it very out in the open there uh that's that's actually a really good question uh in that it is it has become institutionalized uh, so that there are enslaved people that go out to work uh if if their quote-unquote master is on hard times it is a, a a regular practice for them to send their Slaves out maybe into the city, say if they happen to be uh, on the outskirts, you know, of of, of the urban uh, center, to to lease them out, to have them go uh, to work, or then uh, anything, and bring those bring those proceeds back uh, to them. So, is it in the shadows? No, no, because there, uh, and I would radio Islam family, I would direct you to uh, 
it's Human Rights Watch. They they publish these uh, small, less than 120 pages, uh, these small booklets, and they give you their findings. And they did one on Mauritania, which gives documents some of the history. Um, but no, it is it is very much apparent who is enslaved and who is not. So, and what's the government's position on it? Oh, well, the government's position is uh, that it does not exist. There, there are no slaves, which is which kind of brings me to one of the one of the other uh, points with the Abolition Institute. Uh, we had a delegation leave uh, go that was approved to go to Mauritania this past summer, and once I guess somehow word got out that they were coming to see for themselves, uh, and they were not allowed to go any further than the airport. So they were detained at the airport, not allowed into the country, uh, and ended up going to um, to Dakar in Senegal. And uh, well, that probably worked for them to, to their betterment because it it brought a, it brought about a whole lot more press than possibly they would have gotten had they been allowed in. So yeah, the government's position is that is that it doesn't happen, but it, it's on such a policy um, has such an effect as far as the disenfranchisement of um, in particular uh, black Africans uh, Mauritanians there that there are many who have tried to flee, uh, leave and and go into Senegal or many whose uh, papers are torn up and they're they're, they're sent out Uh, but there has been documented cases of basically say genocide where you know they have been in prison tortured uh killed uh and all the while where we have people who are still coming here for uh, islamic education uh, but these i guess they i guess they're not crossing paths yeah maybe i mean i remember about a decade ago mm-hmm. in the knowledge-seeking community it was a very kind of a romanticized image that people got of Mauritania where you're like you're living in the desert with the camels and stuff and you speak the same tongue of the ancient Arabs as it you know mm-hmm. and people that uh, and it's true and I've met people who've been there you know yeah um, so say the kid will go to the store to buy milk and he'll recite a poem off the top of his head about the milk and stuff like that um, which is true I guess yeah. but I mean yeah. Um, so I'm wondering now if maybe the, the students who went over here at that time, um, did they actually cross paths with people who were enslaved but just not realize it or something like that? I don't know if that's possible. That that could certainly be possible. Uh, and a lot of times we see what we're looking for. Uh, and if that's not our purpose in being there, that's not going to be the thing that jumps out at us. Yeah. Um, and the language itself um even that has a political context to it because there are multiple languages that, that languages that are spoken. Yeah, um, Berber and... Uh, Wolof is one of them. Okay. Um, uh, French, Arabic, and... The um, dialect is Hassania, I think. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not totally certain as far as the dialects, um, but I do know that there are multiple languages which represent multiple cultural points of view in history uh, and there is a resistance among many of the uh, black Mauritanians to the what they look at is the Arabization of their 
or, or the negation of their own culture uh, because Arabic was made the quote unquote the national language um, and when it came to elections they're, they're posting up uh, election information in Arabic only mm -hmm. right so uh, you, you have a problem if that's not your, your natural tongue but um, but I, I say all this to say is that there are uh, many there are organizations like SOS, which works out of the uh, um, former, I guess, the, the, the EU, right? Um, but the Abolition Institute is the main organization. Uh, from what I understand, the only organization within the United States that's working to, to help uh, change not just policy, but working to assist those who have been fortunate enough to, uh, to escape. So, um, so they continue to do, uh, to do this work. And in closing, I want to say this because we have three other organizations, two other organizations that we want to talk about. Um, at the at the DeSabo Museum, at the the banquet, at the dinner, the fundraising dinner, there were some comments made, not out of malice, but simply just not understanding our the 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 value that Muslims place on on human dignity and freedom, and that. Uh, and that no Muslim would enslave or should be thinking to enslave anyone, uh, Muslim, Christian, Jew, whatever. Um, and the reason that I bring this up is that when we have uh, we have some folks who were, were talking about it, and they, they, they were under understanding that it was okay for us to enslave other people without without having uh, without having a, a real grasp of that we had so many Sahaba, so many companions of the Prophet, peace and praise be upon him, who gave much of their wealth, if not all of their wealth, trying to free people. Um, so that in itself should, you know, it should let folks know that it's not something that, that we condone, um, and certainly not from our fellow Muslims, people who, who claim to have the same beliefs uh, and understandings that we do. So the Abolition Institute is... It is a multi-faith organization, or its members are multi-faith, and they work towards eradicating slavery and helping those who are able to, uh, to escape. And if you want to get more information about them, you can go to stoppingslavery.org. That's stoppingslavery.org if you want to get more information or support them. And I can tell you this, that 100% of any donations that, go to, that goes toward them goes towards the work. There's no, there are no overhead. There's no, there are no administrative uh, fees or, 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 or expensive expenses. A hundred percent of the money that is raised goes towards assisting those who are trying to come out of uh, slavery and educating people about slavery that exists in 2018. Okay, so that was Friday night. I'm thinking we should we we do for one. All right, Radio Slime family, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to we're going to talk about Game Peace. Ibrahim was at the uh, Game Peace fundraiser Saturday night. So you're listening to Radio Slime. We'll be back in just a moment.
the streets below, traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back, Radio Islam family. This is your host, Tariq el We are broadcasting on WCV 1450 AM, streaming live at www.wcv1450.com. Folks, if you haven't already done so, make sure that you are following and liking us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. If you'd like to make a contribution to tonight's conversation, give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. We're recapping the weekend and uh, looking, more importantly, looking at some of the organizations uh, that that operate within Chicagoland's uh, Muslim community, uh, not just on behalf of the Muslim community uh, fighting uh, anti-Muslim bias and oppression, but also, as I said earlier, working for the betterment of uh, society as a whole. So it was a busy weekend, and we had two major fundraising banquets that took place uh, Took place Saturday night. Matter of fact, I think it was three, right? 
Mecca was three? Uh, Mecca was on Sunday. Sunday. Okay. So Saturday night we had uh, Care, Chicago, and we also had Game Peace. And uh, Game Peace, we're going to take a moment for those who may not be aware of the work that Game Peace does uh, and how they work on our behalf, right? So we're going to take a minute and introduce them. Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about talk a little bit about the banquet because uh, Ibrahim was at the banquet. Um, so maybe we should start out with just a description real quick. So, all right, so Game Peace, uh, first of all, you can find them at gamepeace.com. Uh, they are a nonprofit organization whose main goal is to educate the general public about Islam and to clarify many misconceptions they may hold, which is an ongoing effort. Uh, so, to this effect, Game Peace has initiated a toll-free telephone line, 1-800-662-ISLAM, where anyone can call between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. and ask questions related to Islam, request for a visit to the mosque, and order free Quran and Islamic literature, which is an awesome service. Uh, Game Peace has a series of speakers who are available to speak and discuss various topics related to the faith of Islam. Islamic information booths, message about Islam, buses, billboards, trains, radio, and TV stations by Game Peace are additional venues for sharing the teaching of Islam with our fellow citizens. Those who are new to Islam, converts to Islam, are provided educational or reverse, whatever your preferred uh, uh, title is, uh, are provided educational, social, spiritual, and moral support. Classes for new Muslims are held by Game Peace in various cities in the USA. For more information, uh, as we said, check out uh, GamePeace.com. Uh, but you can contact them at info at GamePeace.com. And they work under the umbrella of ICNA, Islamic Circle of North America. So, uh, Ibrahim, you had the opportunity to uh, attend the banquet Saturday night. Yes, I did. And what were some, what were some of your takeaways? Uh, everything went very well. Um, the program was good. They started with a Quranic recitation by um, Imam Ibrahim Dardasawi. He's the Imam of the Masjid in Wheaton, okay. the Islamic Center of Wheaton. Uh, very beautiful voice, beautiful recitation, mashallah. Um, Dr. Sabil Ahmed was there, who is uh, himself kind of a powerhouse in doing dawah, inviting people to Islam, telling people the correct information about Islam. Um, the keynote speaker, well, the fundraising speaker was Imam Karim Abu Zaid. Um, he is the imam of a big mosque in Colorado. I don't remember if it's Denver or Boulder, Colorado. But anyway, like he's a pretty funny guy. He's really cool. He was up there fundraising. And then the keynote speaker was Dr. Shabir Ali. Uh, I think he's based in Canada. He has a long history of doing Tao. I think he actually started out debating and stuff like that about uh, the Bible and stuff like that. He'll still quote you like Bible verses off the top of his head, mm. you know. But what he talked about was actually uh, pretty interesting. I missed the beginning of his speech because I was outside in the hallway talking to some people. I'll, I'll, well, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you who I was talking to in a minute. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. Um, but basically, yeah, his this part I think I heard most of his speech um, he started out s demonstrating how um, 
the history of Islam, the history of the Prophet despite there being battles that were fought, um, he demonstrated using historical, uh, I mean, evidence that we would all agree upon. Mm-hmm. That the he argued that the pro, the battles that were fought by the Prophet ﷺ, peace be upon him were all uh, defensive battles, right? And he said that because uh, if you look at the distance between Mecca and Medina, right, of going to all the way to Medina, mm-hmm. and you look at the battle sites of where they occurred, they were all very close to Medina. They're very very far away from Mecca. Mm-hmm. Which indicates where the Prophet ﷺ was living in Medina at that time That indicates clearly that the forces from Mecca Of the Quraysh tribe that, that uh, forced him out of the city, his tribe um, That they traveled this great distance to go and fight against the Muslims And to try and plunder the city of Medina and so on And so that's why all the battles were defensive And they occur in such proximity to the city of Medina and um, he went on to talk about, and also the others uh, alluded to this as well, that um, talk about religious freedom in Islam, actually. Um, that, uh, oh yeah, and one other thing he talked about, and it's also related, is that uh, people who are trying to like stir up paranoia against this term called sharia. Yeah. Right? So, what does that actually mean? He basically said it means, uh, and this is actually one of the things that Gain Peace uh, has a hand in. Like they, I think I'm sure they distributed uh, literature and stuff, and they're doing lectures on this. What does Sharia actually mean? Is it something evil? Does it only mean like trying to kill people and stuff like that? Um, basically, what Dr. Shabir Ali was saying is Sharia means the law of God. Right, mm-hmm. they if someone wants to live according to Sharia, they want to live according to the laws that they believe are from God, and this includes every, everything in our day to day stuff. One example they gave is um, at a Dawa booth, but a booth uh, at a some type of a county fair or something like that. Sometimes people have booths to tell people about Islam, right? So mm-hmm. some lady came to the booth. And she was a non-Muslim lady, and she was very angry, and she said, you know, how can you be here, and so on and so on. You're all trying to impose Sharia law on us, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the person responding to her said, no ma'am, actually, Sharia law is what commands me to smile in your face. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I think she calmed down after that, and that's yeah. what they said. So basically, the point was that um, people who are trying to stir up this paranoia about Muslims wanting to practice Sharia law, basically, it doesn't mean that we want to impose our beliefs or our way of life on anyone else, mm-hmm. right? But we do believe it's we're correct. We do love our religion, right? And we want to follow the laws that we've been given in our day to day lives. That's basically what Sharia means. It's nothing sinister, and it's nothing uh, like what people are out there trying to whip up this. You know, yeah. paranoia about yeah. Wudu is a um, Sharia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. washing for prayer is is a part of the the, the divine like, divine way. Yeah, divine law. like linguistically, it means a path. To, I think it means like a path to the watering hole. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Um, practically, it just means the rules that are extracted from the Quran and from the prophetic narrations. Mm-hmm. This is what makes up the body of Sharia. And it includes everything we do in our day-to-day lives. It includes being kind to parents, to neighbors, mm-hmm. to everyone. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Standing for justice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, okay. He had a good speech. It was a good turnout at the event. And then um, after Dr. Sabil's speech, oh, yeah, his speech was interesting. They talked about um, some of the efforts that Game Pace is doing. Mm-hmm. Some of the latest stuff they talked about is the billboard campaigns, right? Yeah. I'm sure everyone's seen the billboard at one point. There was one about. If like, they haven't, if they haven't, give, okay. give folks a little bit of background. There was one on uh, here on 294 in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done it more than once, I think. So one of them was about uh, the Quran. You see a huge word that says Quran, and you can, like, I think it gives a number or a website to, to contact so you can get a free copy of the Quran. Yeah. Um, the one they have currently, I think he said, is about hijab. Okay. Um, so it's about uh, the pride that Muslim women feel in wearing hijab. Um, yeah, it's a good billboard, too. Okay, cool. And another one, actually. The incident that he also talked about, there was an incident in Indianapolis. Yes, that's what I was waiting for that one. Where um, <laughs> there was a group, I guess an Islamophobic group, put out a very kind of antagonistic billboard, like attacking the Prophet So what Gain Peace did, uh, and that billboard that the Islamophobes put out, that got some coverage in the media. Because um, it was a weird thing, right? Right. So what Game Peace did is they went down there and they tried to purchase a uh, billboard to counter that. So by the permission of Allah, it ended up happening. They actually were able to get a billboard that was directly across from the other one. Really? <laughs> it was directly across yeah. the street or on the same highway or something like that. It was like right next to it. Yeah. Um, and they put out a billboard about the Prophet's of Islam, Game Peace did, called, I think they called it like Truthful Man. Um, and so, yeah. So this is kind of the efforts that they're doing, countering Islamophobia and really giving people the correct message about Islam from our own selves. Because if we don't tell people who we are, who we are yeah. somebody else will do it for us. Oh, know? yeah. yeah. Actually, it's not, that's not even a real question because we yeah. have plenty of people who are taking the liberty to speak for Muslims, speak for Islam. Um, and they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, some, sometimes you see the stuff and it's just so bizarre. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you almost wonder, like, are they even trying to, like, find out yeah. or are they just, like, making it up? Um, but, yeah, it's, okay. it's definitely our responsibility to get the correct message out there um, to counter all the wrong information. Right. So gain peace is really at the forefront in that. Yeah, praise be to Allah. Uh, alhamdulillah that we have um, uh, organizations like that doing that. And I can also point to... Uh, even though we're not going to go with the in-house lens on ourselves, but uh, Sound Vision, um, yeah. which, uh, which you know, Radio Islam is a Sound Vision production, um, has put up the billboards. Uh, what was the one we did? We did a, a ISIS, You Suck. ISIS Sucks. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> you Suck. Something yeah, like ISIS, You Suck. Yeah, so uh, it, it's important that we use these mediums uh, of communication, of, of influence, and more importantly, Radio Islam family, uh, whether you are Muslim or, uh, or, or not, whether you're Christian or Jew, or whatever your faith tradition is, if you're listening, uh, you're listening because you realize that you are, you are with, you're listening to, to, to balance, to, uh, to, to reason. Uh, you're not listening to extremism. You're listening to a, an appreciation for, for human life, uh, whatever shape or form that life takes. Uh, so 
so it's important for us to for, it's important for us to support uh, those organizations that are taking the forefront, uh, that are moving on, correcting uh, so much of this uh, nonsense uh, that is being uh, perpetrated. So, and Game Peace is is a part of that. Yeah, definitely. And by the way, mm-hmm. who was I talking to yes. outside that made me miss the speech? Okay, um, it was. Uh, group of very talented young brothers uh, Nasheed group oh okay they, uh, All right. yeah the way they sing mashallah mm-hmm. you know obviously good content yeah. uh, they don't even have music they have one brother who like beatboxes or something like that while they're on stage and their voices mashallah were like very nice okay. um, yeah it almost sounded like they were like on auto tune <laughs> oh really but they're not and, you know those are the real voices yeah it's, it's very beautiful so we're gonna try to get them on the show, inshallah, inshallah, next month sometime. Inshallah, we'll we're looking forward to that. Um, so, uh, just closing out, we'll, we'll we'll move on, but we'll tell you once again, you can find out more about Gain Peace and how you can support their work uh, at GainPeace.com. Nice and easy, nice and easy. All right, so um, the other event that was going on Saturday night was the CARE Chicago Banquet, uh, and this is an organization that is uh, that is really that is near and dear to my own heart. I can attest to the work that they do personally. Uh, and, and first, I'll just tell you the quick story. Uh, my wife, uh, now Dr. Aisha Lamine, while she was working on her PhD at UIC, uh, she was going to get her student ID picture taken, and was told by whoever the person is taking the picture that she had to remove her hijab, uh, at which point she, you know, she said, no, I'm not taking it off. It has uh, religious uh, significance. This is a part of, you know, my garb. And she didn't get anywhere. She went to CARE, CARE Chicago. And they got into action. Long story short, she took her picture with her hijab on. Um, and that's just one one story, one account of many. You say they gave her a problem at UIC. At UIC, well, mind you, this was this was about this was over ten years ago, maybe maybe twelve, thirteen years ago. Hmm. Still surprising. It is, it is, uh, and it doesn't necessarily. I don't think it necessarily reflects on UIC as a whole, but right. more so the bias of that individual that she was yeah. dealing with, right? Uh, but uh, but care, they jump right into action. Uh, and as most of you know, if you don't know, Care Chicago is really one of the the, the stronger uh, branches. And I, I think they're all doing great work. But the work that uh, Care Chicago has done under the uh, leadership of um, Ahmed Rehab has been uh, it's been exemplary. Uh, so so one of the things I want to mention, being in attendance at the at the uh, at the banquet, one of the remarks that Ahmed made, which I found to be very uh, important, not just from a leadership standpoint, but from a, but just sitting in the audience, he said he, he pointed to the the women, uh, not just that that are present right now, but he pointed to a history of of a uh, female leadership, of women leading, uh, within care. Uh, in care of Chicago in particular that was not 
associated with this idea of trying to jump on the bandwagon of inclusion, but just being a part of the culture that they have uh, that they have established and promoted from from day one. Uh, and the second thing that he talked about, which I found important um, as a leader, was uh, there, there's a rule that you never take a bow by yourself. Um, if you may be in front of the camera or even in front of the, the microphone, whatever it is, but it's never a one-person operation. And he pointed to the fact that he would not, you know, there is no way in the world that he could do what has been done if he was doing it by himself. He said not even uh, a percentage uh, of that. So I was, um, and, and that's genuine, you know, cause, and, and I know this from, from, from being able to uh, uh, talk with him and, and, and engage him as an individual. So uh, that, those, are, those are two things I, I think everybody in attendance noticed and, and benefited from. Um, so that, that, that was good. Yeah, definitely. CARE as an organization, especially like you said, CARE Chicago is one of the, seems to be one of the strongest branches, like a flagship branch, yeah. quote unquote. But uh, yeah, definitely CARE is one of the organizations that we cannot afford to not support. Right. You know, uh, they're just such a integral part of our ability to exist and function uh, in this country in the face of people who want to make life difficult for us. CARE is at the forefront and uh, working for us and for everyone who's been, you know, disenfranchised in any way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the work that they've done in particular with the, gosh, I can't recall the actual name, the the, the acronym they use, but it's basically, it's a travel, it might be the Traveler Assistance Program. That may be what it is, uh, where uh, uh, people who have, they've been detained at O'Hare. Yes, yes. And they marshaled a, a, a crew of, of attorneys and volunteers that went out to the airport to meet them and help them uh, with paperwork. Uh, and they've continued to work. So uh, that in and of itself, on top of everything that they've done, has been has been phenomenal. Um, yeah, so as you said, uh, they, they are an organization that, uh, that we really cannot afford to not support um, their keynote now there they were there were a few different speakers but I don't want to I don't want to to mess around and not get into some of the things that that, that he mentioned uh, and their keynote was uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf so for those of you who may not be familiar with him he was he's a former uh, NBA player um, tremendous talent. He was drafted number three uh, in the, I can't recall what year it was. I think it was like, all right, I'm not going to guess, but Mahmoud Abdurrahman. But I remember he was first round, third pick. Uh, and he played for six seasons, I think, with uh, Denver Nuggets. He played with Sacramento. He played with, uh, I think, one other team. But then he went um, and he ended up playing on the in the world league, you know, traveling around the world playing. And the reason that he did not finish his career in the NBA is because he had taken a stand as he was uh, developing uh, and just forming his own opinions uh, and finding himself, as he said, he began to see the flag, our flag, right, the flag of the United States of America as a representation of oppression. And at this stage of his development, uh, he mentioned he had went from reading um, the the bi- autobiography of Malcolm X, 
Uh, he'd read the Quran, you know. That was, I think he said it was, that was his first book reading cover to cover, right? Uh, but then he also mentioned some of the other readings uh, that, that he was uh, looking at. But he had made a decision that he wasn't going to stand for the anthem. And he had done it quietly. And somebody picked up on it, and it turned into a story. And they asked him, you know, why, why are you why are you not standing? And, and he said what he said. You know, I, I, I feel like this is a flag that represents uh, oppression. Now, they tried to get him to walk it back, uh, and he was uncompromising about that. Uh, and the end result is that he his career was and the NBA was cut short. He was suspended, and, you know, basically the, the rest is history. Yeah. So now the, the interesting thing about this, and he's mentioned, he said that he lost, um, he, he estimated 40 to $50 million, hmm. um, you know, in, in, in earnings by taking the stand that he did. But what I find truly uh, inspirational uh, and uplifting was the fact that he took the stand he did, uh, not concerned about the financial, uh, the financial concern, but that he took it basically on an island by himself. And this is one of the things that he mentioned in his, uh, as he as he talked. Um, he was interviewed uh, during the banquet as 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 the keynote um, address, but he mentioned himself and another brother, Chicago and shit remember, uh, Craig Hodges, uh, who skipped on the White House. Um, hmm. visit and that cost him <laughs> right but this was all before a movement to attach to this is all before a Black Lives Matter movement it was well after the Civil Rights Movement when you had um, um, was it John, John was it John Carlos mm, mm, mm. I hate not being able to get a name but the iconic picture of the two brothers each with one with the right right glove and the other with the left glove, uh, and they both had their hands up with the, the 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 famed Black Power salute. Are you talking about the Olympics? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that picture. Yeah. So, but that was within that that activism took place within a a, a different social context. Yeah. Um, that was absent when Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, when he made his statement, when he took a stand, and when Craig Hodges made his statement so that just shows you you know we're talking about real principle uh being being dedicated to to being um to being at peace with oneself you know and because he could have went he could have went a different direction yeah yeah i remember that he really was all by himself and yeah that. nobody was supporting him i remember my other favorite player mm-hmm. a muslim player at the time uh, hakeem olajuwon oh yeah he was kind of, he was kind of like, um, I don't remember exact words, but he was saying like, you know, he should just stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stand, so you know. But yeah, he was all by himself. But I guess that's that shows the conviction that he had and what he was doing at the time. Absolutely, and then there there are also uh, layers to to even um, Hakim's critique, right? His interpretation of of that whole situation, not being American born. You know, coming here from from Nigeria, yeah, um, having you know, not necessarily sharing the same uh, cultural and and, and uh, social you know outlook 
that uh, Mahmoud had coming from Louisiana. Uh, and what he said was, he said he grew up devaluing himself as a, as a byproduct of a society that was, you know, these norms of deference. You know, you don't look at you don't look at white people uh, in the eye, or they are inherently intelligent while you are inferior. So these are things that he 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 talked about in his, I guess, leading leading him up to to Islam. Yeah, that brings up a really good point too about um, a lot of times when we see the flag, the American flag. Yeah. It means different things to different people. It's a completely different. Some people see it and they see all the negative right. and block out all the positive, mm-hmm. right? And others is vice versa. And I think most of us is somewhere in between, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're able to kind of see the good and the bad. Um, but this is a, yeah, it's it's a very powerful symbol in that it sparks so much, uh, it can spark controversy at times, even inside the masjid. Like in our mosque, there was a controversy at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put this uh, flag, like big, big, huge flag inside the gym, right? Yep. And some people are like, no, 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 you can't do this. Because in their mind, it represents something totally different. Yeah. In somebody else's mind, to put a flag up inside the gym, the gymnasium of the mosque, mm-hmm. it just means like, look, we're here and we have a right to be here, right? right. We're just as American as anyone else and so on. The other people, when they see that, it's something totally different. Right, yeah. colonialism and, th- and this kind of stuff. So it's a uh, very um, can be polarizing at times. Sure. Yeah, but it's a very interesting conversation to figure out. But what I was telling people when this happened is, the people who are involved in this controversy or whatever, they need to first before they can resolve it in any way, sit down and try to agree as far as just what it means. Right before you start, before you t- start talking about. Should we have it or should we, shouldn't we have it? Mm-hmm. Try to agree at, to, at some level on, okay, what do we actually mean by this, right? Then you yeah. can move forward. If you, don't, if you don't have that, then it's like, it's going to yeah. be all over the place. And, and, your, and our experiences determine how we interpret the flag. Uh, and, and we don't all have the same experience, so we're not, we're not all going to have the same <laughs> interpretation. Yeah. And, uh, but I look back... And I think this was this was tremendous leadership and, and, and foresight on behalf of Imam Muwaddi Muhammad, who there's a, a picture of him where, uh, where he's carrying the flag, he's putting it in the in the, in the base, and he, he and he instructed us to pick the flag up, and the idea behind that being we this is a this is a social experiment uh, that we have not seen anywhere else. But if we are going to be here, then we have a responsibility to make, to make the flag, make this nation live up to what this flag says it stands for. Uh, and it has not always done that. Uh, and that's quite clear. Uh, and, and there can't be, you know, there's, no, there's, no, there's nobody in their right mind who's cracked a book uh, or who just simply looks at society it is today and can argue that there is disparity, there is inequality and inequity. Um, so we have responsibility. Mm-hmm. Make that flag, make this nation mean, live up to the ideals um, that, that are stated. So I don't have a problem with the flag today, uh, but <laughs> I certainly, you know, I went through a period myself where I looked at the flag yeah. very much the same way, but I believe um, 
that urging by uh, by Imam Muhammad, uh, and just saying that where else I'm going? I'm not I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. So was he kind of saying like if you have a problem with this flag and what it means, then it's your responsibility to try to make it live up to what it should mean? Oh, a- absolutely. Well, not so much about what it means, but we know what our constitution what it says when it says we the people. Yeah. Now there's arguments about who the people are. Right. right? At one point it was it was all white land 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 holding men. Mm-hmm. It's up to us to really expand that and and make it mean make it live up to what it says it says it means. Um that's beyond any uh it's kinda like when the Quran, right? The Quran says that this is the book there and it's no there's no uh specialized or particular interest that's gonna benefit just one group. There's no doubt in the guidance. It's guidance for everybody. So if this land is for everybody in that type of sense, then we have to make sure that it, it really does live up to that. And that's that's the challenge that, that he gave to us. We have to li- we have to work and engage in the society uh, in a way that's going to be beneficial for for everybody. Um, I got to share this this gem, and and, uh, and and Brother Mahmoud he he dropped quite a few gems uh, in, in his talk, and one of them was um, we're familiar. There's an ayah which says. Um, uh, let there let there arise out of you, you know, a, a group that enjoins the good and forbids the evil. And he gave a, a an interpretation that had much. It was much more, I think, I think, concrete and applicable in the, sense, in the wording, which was let institutionalize the good and deconstruct the bad. And 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 just speaking about how negative things can become normalized and the effect of those things. Uh, if we don't work to de- deconstruct those things, then nothing changes. And good has to be institutionalized if it's going to be more than just a, uh, a flash in a pan uh, change. So that was one of the, I mean, he he gave quite a few, really effortlessly, uh, I must say. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't planned, it, it didn't feel like he was saying anything that was planned or rehearsed. Um, and, but that's something I think that we can do. Uh, and I think these organizations that we've been talking about, that they work, whether knowing that that's the spirit that they're working in or not, but they're working to institutionalize what is good. Anything? Yeah, that's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Well, uh, looks like we're, we're getting close to that time. Uh, <laughs> Radio Slime family, we thank you all for joining us. Uh, before we wrap up, we want to remind you of a few things. Um, first off, the Sound Vision dinner is March 17th, and that's going to be at, what's, what's that location again? It's in Streamwood. Uh, the name of the venue is Lazat Banquets, L-A-Z-Z-A-T. Okay, Lizette's Banquets. All right, and and even though we didn't talk about, we mentioned just one little billboard, but Count Sound Vision, among those organizations that are working on behalf of not only Muslims, but on behalf of society as a whole, uh, as an organization that you may not be aware of, of its reach and, and its history, um, which, you know, has been uh, piloted for many years, 
since its inception uh, by, uh, by, by its president, uh, Brother Abdul Malik Mujahid, um, and with a, a team of, of, willing and, uh, of willing people, men and women, who want to see the best outcome for, for us uh, in this country uh, and abroad. So count Sound Vision among that among those organizations. Uh, we hope that you will come out. Uh, you can go to Sound Vision. Was it SoundVision.com? Go to SoundVision.com and get more information. You can get your tickets. You can you can donate. Uh, we are we are five hundred one c three. And with that being said, we're going to invite you all to join us tomorrow night, and we're going to be talking about the twenty eighteen elections. Uh, it's a lot going on. There are a lot of different. Uh, there are a lot of different forecasts uh, and opinions as to how things are going to come down. So we invite you to join us tomorrow night at 6 p.m. where uh, Ibrahim and I are going to be discussing some of those uh, different different races and different scenarios. And Wednesday, join us because we're going to have uh, in studio Dr. Delara Saeed. Uh, she is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, she is a candidate for the Illinois State Rep's 5th District, and we're going to be talking, having a candid conversation about race, religion, class, and politics. Uh, that's Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's uh, Dr. Delara Saeed again, candidate for Illinois State Rep 5th District, and the conversation is about race, religion, class, and politics. Uh, that is one I expect that you will probably be calling in on. And that being said, we want to thank our engineer over at WCEV, Ramon. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Bey, who also co-produced tonight's, uh, tonight's show with me. Uh, I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. The views expressed tonight are those of the host and co-host and uh, not to be taken as representative of Sound Vision, Inc., Inshallah, with God's permission, we will be talking to you tomorrow night. We pray everyone has a safe evening, and we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. Oh, no, 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 no. I got to pull back real quick. I got two minutes to say this. <laughs> Congratulations, Brother Halil Demir, for your award Friday night. All right, now we're good. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.